thanks to Koskinen and the Edmonton Oilers. A real goalie theme on the Real Kipper and Bourne show today. So it's only natural we get our goalie guru, Mike McKenna, from Daily Faceoff Hockey Analyst, retired NHL or AHL, CHL. I don't know how many more leagues I can throw. I'm out of breath. Mike, how are you? <laughs> oh, geez, Kipper, I don't want to make you make you any more out of breath than you need to be. I know it's an awful. I'm doing. You know what, man? I'm actually cold. I'm in St. Louis, but I was taking out Christmas lights. Man, I'm I'm a little chilly, so I'm nice to be inside and talking to you guys. I can guarantee you, it might be a little chillier in the Edmonton Oilers dressing room. Mm. What do you, what do you, what do you make out of all of this from a goalie perspective? Whether it's you or or uh, a teammate or someone you've watched from afar, any comparisons when you start questioning what what your coach says uh, through the the media publicly? Yeah, it's an ugly situation. I mean, that's to say the least. I, I mean, it was the first shot over the bow when Dave Tippett said our goalie wasn't very good, and you can tell that. Koskinen's just kind of had enough of being the punching bag. And the thing is about what he said after the game, he's, he's right. The team hasn't. They've scored seven goals in his six starts or six starts, six uh, goals and seven, whichever it's been. But he hasn't been good enough either, and they've been early goals. So, I mean, in some ways I'm happy that Koskinen clapped back and finally stood up for himself a little bit in this scenario. But I think it's just reached an untenable point because – when you hear a coach call out the goalie immediately in a press conference like that, he, Dave Tibbetts basically saying, I can't win with this guy. Yeah. To me, that's a, that's a shot over the bow at Ken Holland at his GM. Like that's saying, I need somebody now to win games. And it's also saying that I don't really believe in Miko Koskinen. It's Mike Smith who's my guy. Well, Mike Smith's been hurt all year, right? Who's no when he's coming back? I don't really have a comparison to this. It's just you rarely hear a goaltender – Come out and tell it like it is because you don't want to be seen as selfish. You don't want to try to put the spotlight on you. But sometimes when a situation gets to this point, it's just like, man, I've had enough. I'm finally just going to be honest and lay it out there. And I think that's where Koskinen is at. Well, it's funny because, you know, that's kind of what I saw. You don't see a coach who's secure in his position say something like that unless it's like, okay, you know, we're hearing Dave Tippett's backs up against the wall with his job, and he wants to come out and say, we're actually playing well. It's that guy's fault. It's like he's passing the buck. But, like, you played in a lot of dressing rooms for a lot of coaches. Where did... How much is a player allowed to say back to a coach in that setting? You know, you mentioned it, it makes it untenable, but like to me, you're paid well, you're a hockey player, that's your coach, you just take it off the chin and move on. Sorry, bud. Yeah, I think that that's part of it, but I, it's just at some point you feel it and it starts to, it starts to be personal at a point. Even if it's like you get along on the surface level, even if you can go still have coffee or a beer or whatever, like from the professional level, when you're more or less kind of name calling like that, it's just not working, you know? And that's where I, I'm, I think it's tough for, for anybody in that scenario, right? Like how do you approach this? How do you get back to the rink and just let it go and try to play the best you possibly can? Because I mean, Koskin is trying to stay in the NHL here. This isn't just a matter of him trying to win a Stanley cup. Like he knows he's gone. He knows he's out of Edmonton. Like he's got to prove something somewhere else. Uh, and so it behooves everybody to put it behind them and move on. But you don't forget these things. It's always in the back of your head. You're always thinking, man, this coach just doesn't like me, and I'm a dead man walking. What am I doing here? And if that's the scenario, like, you think the whole locker room in Edmonton doesn't feel that? They all feel that. They all feel that tension. And until something happens, 
it's not going to go away. Unless Koskinen rattles off about five shutouts in a row. That's probably the only thing that would fix this. I'm watching uh, Edmonton play the Rangers, and the frustration, obviously, from Tippett is watching your goalie go behind the goal line and Mm -hmm. having the puck blow up like a grenade on the first goal. I think the the next one's a redirect, and it looks like, uh, you know, he's stopping it, and the next thing you know, the puck's spinning like a, like, you know, like anything that uh, crosses the goal line. And I'm just saying from a, a goalie perspective, like when that stuff starts creeping your head that you can't do anything, right? Well, what, what does Koskinen do now? Where do you go mentally, physically as a goalie? Yeah, well, I mean, you can go one of two ways. You can try to do too much or you can you can try to just dial it back and focus on the simplest things you can. And I think what you saw on display against the Rangers is trying to do too much. I mean, Koskinen is not Mike Smith with the puck when he gets out of the net. Nobody is. I mean, in the first 15 seconds, Koskinen shot one over the glass in the corner, and his team was on the penalty kill, you know, against one of the top teams in the league that you're trying to make a statement against. And then within five minutes later, he gives one away, and it's behind him, and the team's down one nothing. That's trying to do too much. That's trying to push too hard. Really, the best way to do it is to just free yourself. Forget everything. Stop caring. And that sounds so counterintuitive to say, stop caring. But I had a situation once in my career where I was just, man, I was trying too hard. And I didn't even realize it until I talked to a former NHL goalie, Ty Conklin. He's a friend of mine. And I talked to Conks and he's like, man, you need to go out there and just not give a, take your pick of words. And I was like, okay, dude, I'll do that. And it just freed me up. And I think that's the point where Koskinen is now, like, or anybody else in that scenario. If you're feeling that pressure, if you're just not feeling good, just go out there and stop caring. Just go have fun. Just go play the game. You know, it's so easy as a goalie to wrap yourself into a mental pretzel. Uh, I think that's what you've seen. It, it just has devolved there. It, it's time to just go out and play some hockey and let the chips fall. Mike, we uh, I said it to Louis DeBrusque a little earlier. It's January. Is there time for that? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, like festering, right? I mean, you see the underlying the underlying numbers for the Oilers is that they should be scoring more than they are. That, that's the real analytics to it. But they're just not getting goaltending. And they haven't for how many years now? Like, listen, the moment that Miko Koskinen signed that contract, when Peter Torelli put that across the table to him, and every single person saw that and went, what? He was a dead man walking in Edmonton. And that's, that's a tough spot to live up to. So I don't think that there's a solution here in-house. The only in-house solution is either Mike Smith gets healthy tomorrow or they just give the reins to Stuart Skinner and hope. Because Skinner has showed signs, but are you really going to trust him? Is that really who you want going into playoffs as somebody with that little experience? I mean, St. Louis did it a few years ago at Bennington, but we can't think of many other examples of that, guys. So uh, I think Edmonton, like, they had to make a move, but how do you make a move? Everybody's got them, everybody knows they're trying to make a move. So it's going to cost them an arm and a leg, man. It might be Stuart Skinner or maybe Mike Smith, and that's it. I don't know. Yeah, that's a tough spot for them to be in. You know, they're going up tonight against uh, the Maple Leafs who have a, a goalie situation that is different uh, in, in its own way. You know, we had Jack Campbell on yesterday, and he talked about having fun and that how a lot of his success is uh, from having fun. And it kind of reminded me what you, you say about, you know, going out there and not caring. You know, he said he's a better gut player when he's having fun. I wonder how hard it is, though, to make yourself – 
not care or to make yourself have fun when it's not fun and your team is losing and your coach is like, you know, it, it would have been easier for Campbell early in his career to have fun, but I imagine it wasn't very much fun. So, you know, mm-hmm. what are the mental gymnastics one has to undertake to get in that headspace to just play the games and not think about external circumstances? Yeah, I think the most the best thing that Campbell said was how he wanted to embrace Toronto. He could feel the gravity of the situation. He was excited for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. There's not many people in this world that are excited for the opportunity to go play for the Edmonton Oilers right now as a goaltender. Uh, I mean, Stuart Skinner, probably. Stuart's from Edmonton. He'd love the star for that team. From the outside looking in, that's a tough spot to be. And if you're trying to harness it, if you're just trying to go out and not care – Man, it's hard when there's expectations and there's contracts. And when you know that you're coming to an end of something and you're trying to stay in the league, you're trying to succeed in the league, letting go is one of the hardest things you can possibly do as a goaltender, but it's the best you can. Anytime you see a goalie with a smile on his face, Marty Brodeur when he's winning Stanley Cups, Marc-Andre Fleury is winning Cups. Like That joy brings a lot to their game, and you can see it with Campbell. He's happy. Like That guy used to beat himself up endlessly. And he's thriving in the most difficult market. I, I, I think just back to guys like, well, this is life stuff. This isn't just goaltending, man. Like, I got a dog and I calm down. Like, that helped me. Like, <laughs> I could park yeah. it at the rink. I had kids. And I'd go home and look at my kids, man. i go, man, that game didn't matter that I just played. Did it matter in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, it did. It's my job. It's my career. I care. But Mike, I know we got it. In the world? No. You know? <laughs> I know we got to get you out of here, um, but one, one more here, and I want to kind of broaden the, the goaltending conversation here because I look at my era, and there was most nights you were staring down a, a star goalie, you know, uh, Belfour, mm-hmm. Fuhrer, Roy, uh, Patrick Waugh, Brodeur, Hasha, Cujo, Richter. I mean, it went on and on. And now we look and we see Vasilevsky, Price when he's healthy, Flurry, but like – it's 2021. Where are the star goalies in that next generation? Mm. And nobody's happy enough with the goalie to make him a star any longer. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got, you don't have the longevity or the patience to allow these guys to dominate, but I think really Kip, what it comes down to is we got a lot of teams that have a lot of parity and it makes the goalies look pretty equal as well. You know, I mean, back in the day, you'd have some just killer teams. And the goalies could thrive in those environments and they'd be head and shoulders better than other goalies because they got some structure around them and they could perform. Uh, You know, today's top goaltenders, Vasilevsky, try to tell me he's not one of the most important, if not the most important player on Tampa. Like he still is the guy there, but his numbers don't look gaudy compared to Jack Campbell or anybody else. We don't have the superstars in that because they haven't had the longevity. There has been turnover in the crease. When these guys get to be 10, 12 years into their career, we'll see it. That's where you'll see more price, more flurry. The problem is I'm not sure teams are ever patient enough anymore. You know, you get four or five good years out of a guy and they're gone. Or they get off their entry level and they just go for the next big contract. And I think that has a lot to do with it, you know. Longevity and stability, when you see somebody in that same jersey year in and year out, that makes a big difference. Mike, really appreciate your time here, man. As always, thanks for having me on. Yeah, okay. thanks, Mike. Mike McKenna. He had to hit a deadline, so uh, we let him off a little early. But uh, love his insight and uh, interesting to watch. And we, we see even, like, Toronto, 
all the pressure in the world to compete for a Stanley Cup and win the Cup, and yet they go into this season going, we haven't really got a clue what the hell we have in that. I mean, <laughs> no idea, and, hey. And there's a ton of teams like that. Yeah. Right? No, you're not wrong. I feel like every year, you know, teams do the best they can to get the, you know, goalies, the best established guys they can, and then you kind of throw your hands up. Even the best goalies in the world, you know, outside of a handful of Hall of Famers, have down years for great goaltenders. So, it, so much hinges on it. You do the best you can to support them. Thing, you know, we are learning better ways to analyze goaltenders, support them. But man, it is such a crapshoot, particularly for guys like us who are players. Going, I don't know. Looks pretty good to me. You know, I love Mike McKenna, but I just hate it when people say parody. Why? I I don't see it. I don't see I mean, parody. You say I, all the time, I, everyone sucks. It's like <laughs> every team that leaves play sucks. Mediocrity, <laughs> yes, but not parody. Parody being everyone is kind of the same, right? I don't disagree that on any given night somebody may win, but right, there's no parody when six or eight teams are out of the playoffs by the end of November. I don't get parody when I see that many numbers in the yeah. East going. Uh, they're going nowhere. We're talking about tanking 30 games in. Where, where's the parity in that, JB? No, I guess what I see, Kipper, is if you look at the eighth best team in the league and the 22nd best team in the league, uh, you know, is there that much that separates those teams but a couple of bounces, some luck, and a hot run from a goaltender? I, I agree that there's a tier of teams that can win the Stanley Cup. Uh, you know what number you want to put on that might be different than mine. I think maybe it's eight teams. Yeah, outside of that, I don't know. I feel like everyone's pretty wishy-washy, and then they have a half dozen teams that stink at the bottom. Well, the Oilers, yeah. we believe, should have been one of those teams that you were talking about a month ago. One of those eight, yeah, no one of those point. eight. Uh, that's not happening. Uh, goaltending being a major issue. Before the break, I teased a name that I think the Oilers could trade for by the weekend. I'm I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath here. Do we need a drum roll? Who do you nah, think? No, no drum roll. Georgiev. Whoa, we should have had a drum roll. We should have drum roll. That's a good goaltender with uh, upside. He's out there. Uh, they're talking about him. There's no way the Rangers are keeping him. Really? Comes in at 2.5 for the rest of the year. He wants to be a number one goaltender. He's not happy in New York. He won't cost you a lot. Just do it, Kenny Holland. I mean, he's 25 years old, too. It's a guy that if he's good, you could, you know, build on a little bit. Just looking at his numbers in the NHL so far, Kipper, he's a 908 in the NHL this year. You know, he had a couple of runs early in his career at 918, 914, 911 career guy. This is a goaltender, a real one. And you just saw him. So what would the asking price be? What would the asking price be for a guy like that, Kip? Yeah. Yes, a Michael um... package? <laughs> it seems to be the thing people want now. Funny, a, a lot of people talking about Jeff or uh, Jacob Chikrin, uh, Jeff's yeah. son, uh, and Eichel <laughs> comparisons. Whoa, wow, yeah, where'd funny. they get that from? Um, I, th this Sammy, to answer your question, I don't think it would be much more than uh, 
third rounder. Should the Leafs trade for him? Do I, you know? You know I, what I, I mean? Think, like, well, I guess how do you get rid of salary, right? Like, how would they get rid of Koskinen? I I think you just uh, you bury it in the minors. Yeah, just worry about your salary cap. You got to rotate. You got to have some of that on the on the salary cap. But yeah, I'm sure but there are corresponding at, moves at, they could make, Kipper. You're right. At two point five, at two point five, uh, depending on how early you want, it's not that big of a hit. Maybe uh, you know the Rangers. Listen, the Rangers don't get in trouble with their salary cap until the off season the next year, and that's when Fox kicks in, uh, Zabanajad kicks in, Kako needs a new contract. So you could actually even maybe convince the Rangers to, to eat yeah. some of that salary up. You could sneak him in for not much more than, you know, it depends on how greedy the Rangers want to get. But I think, I think, a, a, yeah, I'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to give up a second. But seeing how desperate I am with the Oilers, I'm thinking I'd try to get away with a third-rounder for him. Yeah, and you, I mean, you're talking about fundamentally altering the look of a team if all of a sudden you have a guy who's even a 9 11 uh, compared to what they've been getting this season. So far this year, uh, Kip, they're, they're fourth, uh, the fourth, fourth worst team save percentage in the National Hockey League. So taking it to average or above average significantly changes what the Oilers are and coming away with wins in some of those close games. You know, uh, yeah, I guess the the issue for me is just how do you get rid of Koskin and how much can you find a way to get rid of? You know, this is a situation, Kipper, where you look at a team like Arizona and you say, can we give you a second if you'll take Koskinen? Can we tie something to him to get rid of him? And if you're Arizona, it's like, whatever, we'll take a free second to, to have this guy in our net. His contract's up at the end of the year. It doesn't hurt you. Uh, Georgiev yeah, was a certain what, sniper that plays there too that they could be in, uh, included in that uh, deal somehow uh, for that a bit of depth scoring for the Oilers. Yeah, maybe. What have we done here? Yeah, there's uh, there was interest uh, earlier out of Arizona and Buffalo for Georgiev, but uh, with their uh, horrible seasons, uh, there's not right. much. But yeah, you can you can get another team involved, and you could you can you can wiggle this, but. Uh, to me, that's, and I don't know, Mike Smith, average game, great game. Does that change anything going into the weekend? Or do you just sit there and say, it's an expiring contract at 2.45. If Georgiev comes in and settles it up for us a little bit, shows he's worthy of being a legitimate uh, uh, number one down the stretch here, then you don't have to worry about resigning him till the off season. Yes, and he's an RFA after this year, so you got a good, you know, you retain him to to do something with after the year. That would be a valuable piece for the Oilers for sure. So, you know, when we're talking about them finding a way out of it, that's a good place to start. I really like the idea of freeing up the cap space that comes with getting rid of Koskinen as much as anything and then having a little bit more wiggle room to do more because they clearly need to do more. You know, I I started to ask uh, Louis a question that I kind of got half out, uh, which he gave a great answer to. But, you know, right now are the Oilers a Dave Tippett problem or a Ken Holland problem? Like, is this really something Tippett, uh, a coach, can go, all right, boys, now I'm going to make Brandon Perlini and Colton Sevier into players? Or is this really a Ken Holland problem? He's the one who's got to do the work now, doesn't he? 
Well, I, I yes, I, and I, I don't disagree with you at, at all. You know, Louis referenced, uh, we don't have to blow this up. And I think if uh, if uh, Georgiev is out there and, he's, and he happens to get him and uh, send Koskinen uh, in the minors or, or work out a deal where you can push him somewhere else on, on it, also an expiring contract, if I'm not mistaken, then um, then that's that's doing something without, you know, blowing anything up. So that's on Ken Holland. And, you know, as a player, I always say when you're frustrated or, you know, you're, you're out of ideas, you look over your shoulder and you, you need some help from the coaches, a different line, a different system, you know, uh, a pat on the back, a kick in the ass. Yeah. You look over your shoulder. Well, Dave Tippett's looking over his shoulder. And he's just he's going to the press box for for Ken Holland right now. Yeah, and no. there there needs there needs to be something there. He took a chance on Duncan Keith. Um, I don't know if I'm going to say that it hasn't worked out, but there was a probability or predictability with a guy that late in his career on the uh, the effect he could have on your lineup. You know. Athanasiu, he he got him from Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, and that wasn't cheap either. If I'm not mistaken, that was like a second rounder. Yeah, right. I was actually as you were chatting about the skipper, I'm looking at their uh, draft picks next year. The Oilers don't have a third; they also don't have a fourth. So yeah, they have moved off some guys here to try to make some moves. Now you 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 want to get ballsy, uh, Jacob Chikrin, left-handed shot, could. Come in completely, put an anchor on that blue line with Darnell Nurse. Mm-hmm. Four more years at uh, what uh, four six. They Evan Bouchard have to go the other way. They'd have to. Young, yeah. They'd they'd have to. We said the Islanders, it would be Dobson. The Leafs, it would be Sandin. Sandin. It yeah. it has to start, I think, with Evan Bouchard. Can you, um, Philip Broberg? Can oh, yeah. you can you get off of Bouchard and can you push? Broberg, another first rounder in their system, who right. I think I think the shine's a little bit off on him compared to where he was maybe six, eight, ten months ago. So I always think these teams know first, and if if that's the case, they should trade them first, right? Trade them before other teams realize there's been a step back. Uh, that's an interesting idea for them, but yeah. So Ken Holland has his work cut out for him, and and you're right about Mike Smith. Like I don't think tonight you you learn anything about Mike Smith. He goes out and he it's a shutout, or he gives up six. Mike Smith is who he is, and we kind of have a sense of where he is at his in his career right now. I well, think. again, when when I, when I speak of of moves and then probabilities or predictabilities, Mike Smith getting hurt and not being able to stay healthy was the first thing out of your mouth when you heard. New two-year deal for Mike Smith. Yes, was it, it not? Was. It was yep. absolutely. By the way, the, the when we were chatting about this, uh, the pick that went for Duncan Keith in the Duncan Keith trade, there's conditions on it that can make it a second pick if the Oilers make it to the 2022 Cup Finals and Keith is top four in playoffs time on ice during the first three rounds. Wow! Very specific details on that trade, uh, <laughs> on that draft pick that was attached. Also, not quite. Can, not can you get game. past sixty minutes tonight before you look at that 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 detail, yeah, that clause? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Sammy. Uh, we had a conversation on Owen Power 
but the the list has uh, gotten a lot longer on potential Team Canada players. Have you got the list in front of you? Uh, I can pull it up here, but yeah, it's pretty interesting to me. Were you guys in, as enticed by this as you, as uh, I was, or are you guys I just too sad that the NHLers aren't going? No, I, I, it's it's hard not to when you uh, when you see some names that that are standing out a little bit, and I would. Well, put, I'm fascinated. Yeah, you know, I, I would put uh, I would put uh, obviously we'd watch for Owen Power and to see. How, that domination early in the World Junior Tournament carry over into uh, an Olympic uh, scenario, but this guy's going no matter what. It's been abundantly clear he's comfortable going over there. Uh, my understanding is his family's got some history over there, I think through work, so there's a comfort zone there out of the power family. Cole Perfetti, guys, is a guy that's interesting. He's in... The Winnipeg uh, system, he's under contract. And I think there's a gray area for a guy like that on whether or not he would even have permission or need permission. I think it's gray, and I don't even think the Winnipeg Jets are really sure just as of yet. So those are those are the questions that they're working out right now. Well, I you know, it, what blows my mind with all this is we always say in Canada that it's like, well, our A team, you know, of course, you know, the favorites to win gold, but I bet our B team would do this, and I bet our C team would do this. And, you know, by the time you get down the list and all the NHLers can't go, you still think that there's enough Canadians outside of Canada to put together a real powerhouse of a team. But here we are talking about players from the World Junior. And, Sammy, why don't you go through the list of players rumored to be on uh, Team Canada's radar? And for me, it's like, why? Wait, what? So give us the well, list, will you? So so these are from uh, Scott Wheeler, who does reporting for The Athletic. He put out a lot of these names. And Cole Perfetti, who we talked about, Owen Power, Mason McTavish, Kent Johnson, who we liked early in the World Juniors, Eric Stahl. Okay, so we've gone in a different direction. He's here. not in the league, yeah. eh? No, he's not in the league. I don't know where he is. Uh, he's probably hanging out in Thunder Bay. Uh, oh, I'm sure he's training every day for like four hours. Uh, uh, Philip DeRosier? Maybe, maybe an hour. <laughs> Philip DeRosier, anyone? <laughs> Uh, I got nothing. Cody Franzen. Oh, God, that excites me. The I, uh, in what way? Toronto Maple Leafs. Because <laughs> th- there's a whole faction of Toronto Maple Leafs fans of a certain era that have a weird infatuation with Cody Franzen. And it's my era of, you know, when the Leafs were terrible and you had to figure out guys that you thought were good. Cody Franzen was always on that list. I still swear to this day that there's no one that got a wrister through from the point better than Cody Franzen did. And uh, I can tell you there's a lot of Leaf fans that would be extremely fired up to see him play for Team Canada. So there's a name for you, Cody Franzen. Uh, What else we got here? Devin Dubnik. What's the name? And then it gets a little weird. Brad Malone, Jack McBain, Peyton Krebs, Caden Gooley. And then there's names that I... Peyton Krebs. Yep. Uh, Michael Delzato. Josh Hosang. Hosang uh, would be interesting. Yeah, agreed. This is the, the most slapdash Disney movie-ass Canada team I've ever heard so, of. So listen, I'm not going to say, let me just make a quick point here. I want the best on best. I really do. I think it's there's no way to replace what the best on best is. But if you have a World Cup and you can have the best on best, do it. You maybe have the NHL run it. This is incredibly compelling to me. 
to have all the guys that are like the young guys, guys that are playing in the KHL, old NHL guys. This to me is extremely uh, is, interesting, uh, and I am very excited to watch it. I truly you, am. You're were you part of our conversation earlier? Uh, I don't know, a week or two, JB. Did we not have this conversation where uh, it just that 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 Olympic feel dies down once the NHL runs the show? Oh yeah, that, like if they had their that, own, like for the World Cup, and and you can't find legitimate countries to fill out uh, eight eight rosters. Like Germany wasn't invited last year because there's not enough NHLers, and that's what Germany you're doing. You're promoting NHL. Like I don't know. I, I I know I know it's best on best, and you hope that there's a. Canada, U.S. or Canada, Russia here in north of the border, but Team Europe versus Canada in 2016? Are you kidding me? That stunk. It stunk. So you know, even if the NHL came close to doing something like a soccer World Cup, where you had to qualify and get in and world rankings, it's just not enough people playing the game to to make that. And there's not enough money to run it. Because yeah. now you're talking about a full-time staff, and what, you know who's who's organizing it, who's uh, who's making sure uh, qualified teams move on, and like it's it's a beast. Can I can I also talk they, about they can, a few more they, names? They can do it in soccer, yeah. but I don't know if we're ready for that in hockey. How about a few more names on this list from Scott Wheeler? Brendan Leipzig and Jake Vertanen. Didn't Leipzig have a thing in Vancouver? Where he took some shots at Vertanen. I don't know. I have. Some I, I think it might have that. been the other way around, or there was something involved okay. where they had a chat group that got leaked. But yeah. I can't remember the exact details. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus for it because it was fair. Really bad so, when it came out. But so the um, last, the, the last Olympics. How much did you guys watch without NHLers? Was it was it out of the corner of your eye? I can't even tell you who won the gold. There's a circle, a whole. Do you remember? Uh, I do. The go. Olympic the athletes that represented Russia or won. They beat. They beat German, oh, Germany. Yeah. They beat That's Germany right. in the final, and Germany beat Canada in the semifinals. And I remember oh, it well. I watched every game. You're good. Well, then, no, if guys good. like you, Sammy, are watching, it's worthwhile. It is. Well, there's no doubt it's worthwhile. For... There's no doubt. Listen, it's the Olympic Games. They're playing hockey in the Olympic Games <laughs> for Canada. But it doesn't Sammy, matter that they're like it's still so have to get arbitrary. Who's no, who it's not. Be there. It's not. It's not. It's not arbitrary. I well, listen. I've been is. taking a beating from all my friends on this for a very long time. It's Bunkus's favorite thing to make fun of me for is my love for weird hockey, and I just I don't think it's arbitrary. These are the guys that are going to be able to go. The Olympics Games are an incredibly important thing to this country. And it's the biggest sport. The I'll NHLers you, can't go. They, You're bringing the next best guys. It still they, matters. Yeah, next best guys. No, it doesn't. That, that's where it drops, <laughs> Sammy. No, okay? it still matters, What was the boys. year? What Here. was the year? Was it uh, uh, that they went to the pros? It was 94? Uh, 96. Yeah. 96. No, 98. It was 98 was the year. Well, for the NHL, the that the was the Cup. NHL's first one. But uh, when yep. they went to letting pros go to the Olympics... I'm not sure what year that was, but once once you started letting these the best in the world compete for this, there's no going back. There's no and off. And if it is, here's, here's my let me give my comparison to Sammy. If, if on it this, is, it's 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 still watchable. I get it. It's the Olympics, but it's not 
when you know yeah. it's not the best in the world, it it takes the shine off. You, you know what, Sammy? There's an ECHL Hall of Fame, which there is. Okay. Which to okay. me, which to me would is like the most funny thing because they take an arbitrary cutoff point and they go, you're the best of the guys who weren't good enough to be at the next level. Like if you were a little better, you wouldn't be in the I, Hall of Fame. What, what year I, did you get inducted? <laughs> yeah, I'm not, the worst part is, Kipper, I'm not good enough. <laughs> um, I think that there's something to be said for being the best guys outside of the At best a random cutoff point. Okay. No, okay. outside of the best <laughs> league in the world. The NHL is not involved. These are the best guys they can cobble together outside of the best league in the world. But what do we learn about them? What are we saying then? We're the best country. Who cares? Take our they wear best red 500 white. players away. What, what, they wear red I, and white and they play my favorite sport. Exactly. I don't care. Laundry. But, and this is this is Sammy, this is what you speak of, okay? You can now go get two turtles. And you can put them in a race. <laughs> and nobody will watch it. Paint a Canadian flag on one and paint an American flag on the other turtle. Yes. And I bet you I could get 100,000 people watching that. <laughs> I think in Canada's minus 125. From the- I, think I, I think I'm more in the minority about this. I think here, hold I, on. I've, I I've said all this, but majority. I'll watch. I will, will watch. Yeah, I will You'll watch. You'll watch Canada versus uh, USA at midnight? Uh, I'll watch the highlights. <laughs> oh, you! <laughs> I got kids. It's late. Yeah, I guess true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, it's a Friday I, I, night. So. I'm a hockey host. I feel, I'll feel i feel obligated to watch it for sure. Yes. Should we do, do Bacar quick? Can we fit can, that in? Yes. Oh, can I? Yes. Okay. Well, I just wanted to say that we kind of get our cake and eat it here, too, because we get this weird, awesome, obscure hockey, plus the NHL is still going to be playing. So we went from a time where we thought it was going to be only one game or every couple of days talking about the same one oh. now to having a lot of hockey. So there you go. I, ha- I haven't said that yet, but this show is a huge winner in the the no three-week Olympic. Oh, week yeah. With massive benefit. Hey, um, yes. <laughs> I like the Makar goal for sure but i'm not going gaga over it you're like your everybody mind. That's else the best goal of the year it's my favorite goal of all time okay <laughs> here, here, it's i i'm not taking anything away from the skill but right three on three boys come on i know okay. it's three I, on three you want to agree hey, you want to pull that goal five on five great now right. it takes it to another level three on three it's it, it was a skills kind of competition look and we know he's got a ton of that but go back oh. to 94 game seven conference final brian leach spinorama go google that one we go up one nothing in game seven hey kill mccarr pull that in a conference final buddy and i'll salute you <laughs> i'm salute can, can only play the games you're in <laughs> <laughs> it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. I've watched it a thousand times. I like it more than any. Like I said, I I like it more than I like McDavid's goal. Even I just love the goal, and the, yeah, for him to go true. backhand short side is just so uh, audacious. Would you yeah. say? 
Well, you know, you kind of have to make that step in like you're going to take it across the net just to the goalie, you know, kind of gives you that hesitation. The execution on the finish for me is better than the actual spinorama. Like that finish is nasty, nasty, not nice. And what I do like about the move on Kirby Doc is it's the Jordan uh, cutback that he makes in the the Ewing dunk, walking or taking the ball out to the three point line, then cutting back on the Knicks. It's just the it's such an awesome move. Uh, Kirby oh. Doc, atrocious Kirby defending. Doc. I, I, I just, like, <laughs> I, he, I just watched he, Leach's goal, Kipper. It's nice. Yes, it's really nice. Yeah, yeah. really nice. And, and that was that was against uh, uh, B- uh, Billy Guerin, I think, who got oh, Kirby Doc on that goal. But both of them hung the sign, gone fishing. Oh, Kirby. <laughs> Kirby Doc had the old, yeah, coach, I was blocking the passing lane but across the do? Scene. There's all the space in the world. It's Kyle, it's Kale oh. McCarr. He just made that move in a second. You just said the most important thing. It's Kale McCarr. If I'm defending in three-on-three, three, there's no real system. It's one-on-one. My whole role is to be between Kale McCarr and the net so he doesn't dunk on my head in public. Correct. Don't hey, worry about he, the pass. He, he's got feet almost as good as McDavid's. Hey? I honestly oh, yeah. agree. Like it's him, oh, McKinnon, wow. and McDavid. Boy, we jam packed it today, boys. Sammy, welcome back. Thanks, boys. Thrilled to be yeah. back. And listen, if if you love the show, give us a rating and review. Uh, subscribe. Let us know what you you like about it. Tell Sammy and JB what you don't like about them, and uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you. Our thanks. Absolutely. Gord Stellick, Louis DeBrusque, Mike McKenna, and we're back tomorrow to dissect the Leafs and Oilers. Thanks for listening, everybody. It's Real Kipper and Bourne. Right back at it tomorrow.